Welcome to the Forward Church Weekly Podcast. This week's message from Lead Pastor Neil Krause is from the series Love. For more information about Forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com. Welcome to Forward Church. We're in our third week of talking about biblical love. And we have learned so far that love trusts and that love gives. And if you've missed any of the first two weeks of this series, you can go online and listen at forwardchurchfamily.com. You can go to our podcast and listen. But this has been a fantastic series on learning about what love truly is. And today we are going to be looking at the truth that love serves. In John chapter 13, we see Jesus modeling for his followers what love looks like, and what he does is he serves them. Now, context is always really important. You know, I talk about that all the time. We, um, as we study the Bible, as we learn to study the Bible and we read the Bible, we cannot just pick an isolated verse out and claim that it supports our stance on an issue because almost anyone can go to the Bible, pick out an isolated verse, and use it to support their agenda. So what we have to know is the context. We have to know the whole of the Bible. We have to learn the context of which this was spoken and what the message is. So it's very important for us to understand Scripture as a whole, not just as a small verse or even a small passage. So we have to know the context. And the context of this chapter is that it's the last week of the life of Jesus. In fact, it is the night um, before, it's the last night that he would be on this earth. So that's the context of of what he's doing. So we can expect that what Jesus tells and shows his disciples in his last night on earth would be extremely important. What Jesus does in those last and those final moments with his disciples is going to be something that's very, very important for us to learn, for us to model, because he is setting something in motion for us to follow. Now, earlier in the day, Jesus had sent two of his disciples to prepare the Passover meal. So he sent two of them out and said, go prepare the Passover meal. So they gathered the meal. They had made the preparations. And sometime during their time together, as the disciples gather back together, an argument begins to break out among the disciples. And it goes something like this. I'm the greatest. And then, no, 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 I'm the greatest. No, wait a minute, I'm the greatest. And they get into this argument after three years of walking with the very Son of God, him modeling for them how to live life as followers of him. These guys get caught up in arguing over which one of them is the greatest. It is a dispute, the Bible says, over who is going to be regarded as the greatest among them. So each of them is still striving to be the leader without understanding what it truly means to lead. So Jesus is about to give them something profound so that they begin to understand what it truly means to lead and to love others. Because each of them is looking to their own interest and to their own um, elevation as to who they are. They're still trying to rule over one another. So Jesus has a very important lesson to teach his disciples in his final hours. And Jesus is about to show them what love really looks like. So if you please stand with me, we're going to read the first 17 verses of chapter 13. Again, we typically go verse by verse through the Bible. In this series, we're taking whole chapters, getting a broad view of them, and and focusing in on some main parts of the text. Today, as we stand, we'll be in verses 1 through 17. Here's what God's Word says. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, 
Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You can be seated. May Lord add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his holy word today. So Jesus washes their feet. He takes time and he washes their feet. His motive is because he loves them and love serves. So he demonstrates that love by serving his disciples. And Jesus knew that God had placed all authority on him. Jesus knew that God had given him all power. He knew where he had come from. And the Bible says he knows where he's going. And because he was secure in who he was, he served others. So do you know why it's so hard for us to humbly serve others? It's because we in our flesh are desperately insecure. We don't understand who we are. We don't fully grasp our identity in Christ. Jesus understood who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. So we, we strive to be seen as great. We strive to be seen as successful. We desire to be seen as the winner because we want others to think highly of us. We want others to look up to us. Ever since the fall, down deep in your heart, down deep in my heart, it doesn't matter how famous we become. It doesn't matter how much money you earn. It doesn't matter how much success in the business world that you achieve. In the heart of every single human being is a fear that if anyone really found out who we are, they would reject us. And if you have achieved any kind of success or you, you know that that's the truth, you can achieve success, you can be a winner at something, but if you don't understand your identity in Christ, you still have an emptiness. You still have a fear that people will find out who you really are. So we try to achieve this false status and we hide behind achievements. We desire to be the greatest, just like the disciples here are arguing over, well, who's going to be the greatest? But Jesus, he was perfectly and completely secure because he understood God's love for him, and he understood who he was. Now, sure, you can say, well, that's, that's because he was God. But Jesus, while here on earth, he was fully God. He was also fully human. Everything that Jesus did while on earth, he did as fully human. All of his obedience was modeling for us dependence upon the Holy Spirit. So Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit to fill him and to empower him and to give him the strength to love others and to serve others as God would want us to do. So because of that reliance on the Holy Spirit, Jesus displayed perfect love. 
that kind of love that we are to model, that we are to live in our lives. And he served those that he led. So Jesus, being perfect in all ways, deserved for everyone to bow down to him. Jesus deserved, because he was God, because he was perfect, for everyone to take a knee, to bow, and to look up to him. Yet, he tells us he did not come to be served, but to serve. So here's the application for us out of this. Love humbly serves those that we lead, even, even those that, that, that when we think that we're entitled to be served, we serve them. Love humbly serves those that we lead. Now, even when your role in the family, even when your role with your friends, even when your role in the community, even when your role in the church, your role on the team that you're on dictates that you are a leader and that you are to lead that team, if you are a Christian, you are called to lead out of love. And that means that you serve others. So we are called to serve out of love. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. So you see, instead of us saying, who's the greatest? I'm the greatest. Instead of trying to be up here, we count others more significant than ourselves. We don't see ourselves as over others. We see ourselves to serve others, and we see them as more significant. And he goes on, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So love serves, and it looks to the interests of others first, instead of to our own needs, our own desires, our own wants. In my very first full-time ministry back in 1997, the very first church that I served, I had a mentor by the name of Bruce. Bruce, an amazing guy. Bruce was an incredible leader. He was a pioneer in many church leadership circles. He was known nationally for his developing of small group ministries. This guy was a leader of leaders, but even more important than his amazing leadership and his leadership accomplishments was this. Bruce was an amazing servant. Bruce would come by my office. Here I was, this brand new young guy in ministry. I was green. I didn't know what I was doing yet, but he would come by my office and he would say, hey, grab your stuff, come with me. And I would think, oh, wow, we're going to go learn these great leadership principles. And I would go with Bruce. And what he would do is he would take me and we would serve people. We would serve people. We would go to a hospital and we would pray with people. We would serve people. We would see how we could help them. We would go into someone's home and we would simply serve people. Along the side of the road, if we saw a car off the side of the road, we would stop and we would serve people. It did not matter what it was that Bruce was doing. He found a way to serve people and lived a life of servanthood, and he still does to this day. He will randomly call me still today just to see how he can pray for me. I'll get a call and I'll see it's from Bruce Carpenter. And I'm like, I'm taking this call no matter what, because this guy's going to build into me. He's going to serve me right now. And he will, he will pray for me. He'll see what he can do for me. He would drop what he's doing. He lives in Lexington, Kentucky, but he would drop what he's doing. And he would come here right now if he knew that I needed his help. One of the greatest leaders I've ever had. And there's no doubt in my mind that Bruce loves me. And I know he loves me because of the way he has served me. And because of the way that I've seen him serve God throughout the years. And the way I've seen him serve other people, he has never been the kind of person that you think, wow, he's way up here. He is, in my estimation, but that's because he's humbly way down here. He sees himself as a humble servant, ready to love others. You know what, that doesn't mean that he's a pushover in any way. Bruce mentored me, and he led me, and he served me by speaking things that I needed to hear, not things I always wanted to hear. We would read the Bible together, and Bruce, every time we got in the car, I knew he was going to ask me, what verse you memorizing this week? 
And I got to tell you, I didn't really like that because I'm not good at memorizing and I would get stressed about it. So when he would say, hey, grab your stuff and come to the car, I'd be like, you know, looking in the, I got to memorize a verse real quick to make sure that I'm ready for Bruce. But he would build into me in that way. And he, he built me up and he helped me to grow as a Christ follower because of the way he served me and, and pushed me outside of my comfort zones. You see, Bruce loved me and he served me by challenging me in those areas. And he would regularly challenge me by asking me, how are you loving people? What are you doing to serve people? He lived by this mantra from the day that I met him. I knew that Bruce's mantra for life, his, his mission statement for life, loving God, loving each other. It was written over everything he did. And he challenged me to do the same. And he would always tell me, if you truly love people, you're going to serve people. How are you finding a way to serve the people that are around you? So let me challenge you today. When you begin to think that way that love serves, when you begin to live your life in a way that you say, how can I serve the people around me? How can I serve the person that leads me? How can I serve my boss? How can I serve my family? How can I serve my neighbors? When you begin to live with that kind of a mindset, it will radically transform things in your life. The promise from Jesus is this. In verse 17, he says, if you know these things, Blessed are you if you do them. If you know that love serves others, then blessed are you if you serve others. Now, in my Bible, I circled the word if. Go ahead, you may want to do that. Circle that word if in your Bible, the most powerful two-letter word ever, if. You see, this is your choice. He says, if you know the truth, if you know the power, the importance of serving others, then blessed will be your life. If, it's your choice. God tells you that blessed are you if you choose to love by serving others. And that word blessed, it literally means joyful are you, happy are you, if you choose to serve others. So if you choose to serve others, then every relationship that you love by serving will be much more joyful, much more happy. How many of us know that to be true? Those of us that are married in this room, if you choose to love your spouse by serving them, by thinking of them as higher than you, by thinking of them as more important than your needs, if you will do that, your marriage will be blessed. You will find happiness. You will find joy in your marriage. But the opposite is also true. And we know that all too well. If you choose to receive only in your relationship, if your mindset is, what do I get out of this? If your mindset is, what is in this relationship for me? How can I benefit from this relationship? Then your blessing and your relationship will not be as joyful, will not be as happy, will not be as blessed. Because you see, the biblical truth it is true about every relationship. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, of course, we all love to receive, but when you truly begin to live a life that serves and that gives, you will find that it is then that you truly receive. That's how God's economy works. The more we give of ourselves, the more we pour out into others, the more we actually tend to receive. And when you begin to say, I want to serve those that I love, let me tell you, something begins to happen that will change the course of your life, not only for you, but for those around you. When you focus on serving others, then the people around you, they begin to see Jesus in you. And that's what we're called to be. Christians mean, means that we are to look like Christ. We are to follow him in the example that he set for us, and we are to serve others. So love humbly serves those we lead and those who lead us. And that seems pretty reasonable, right? I mean, that makes sense. 
That's a, a pretty ground level statement for me to make that if you truly love people, you will serve them. And all of us, I think, can get behind that. We can say that makes sense to me. But as we continue in this text, we find out it gets a little more complicated. Loving and serving gets more complicated than what we can really handle sometimes because we find out that love serves even those who betray us. Wow. Those of you that have been betrayed, you know how hard that is. So this just got real. Jesus is teaching us something that gets very, very difficult in our own flesh to even accomplish. Jesus shows us that if we truly love, then we will serve even those who will betray us. We will serve even those that we know will in the future betray us. How hard is that? You have somebody that you're in a relationship with, somebody you work with, somebody that is close to you, and you know they're about to betray you. How do you serve them? Well, this is where the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit is needed inside of every believer. So Jesus models this for us because he has the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's showing us what to do. He will empower us to love by serving even when we really don't want to. Because there will come times in our life where we do not want to serve someone because they have betrayed us or we know that they are about to. But here's what Scripture says. Verse 21, after saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give the morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you're going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. So Jesus predicts his betrayal because the disciples need to know this is not an accident. The disciples need to know that Jesus knew this was going to happen and this, this had to happen. It was part of God's plan. And then he does something that's absolutely mind-boggling. He has Judas seated at the second place of honor. Judas is seated right beside him. And the Passover meal has great meaning to every single aspect of it. I don't have time to go into all the details of the Passover meal. But basically, when you break the bread and you dip it in the wine, you are symbolizing the Passover lamb that was sacrificed as a means to offer forgiveness for sins. Those who put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, you remember they were passed over. So by offering this bread that he dips in the wine to Judas, Jesus was extending love. He was extending an opportunity for forgiveness to Judas. He was letting Judas know he knew what he was going to do. He was letting him know, I know what you're about to do, yet I love you because I just served you. I washed your feet and I'm now offering you this act of forgiveness. So this is incredibly powerful. But Judas looks at it, and he rejects it. And the Bible says Satan entered into Judas, and then Judas leaves. So he gets up, and he leaves, and he betrays this love offering from Jesus. And the last four words of that passage say this, And it was night. 
I think that's a metaphor. I think that's symbolic of the darkness that was taking over for a brief time. But what we need to understand is that night only lasts temporarily. Evil only reigns temporarily. And what we can take from that is maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you know what it feels like for someone close to you to hurt you and to betray you. Maybe you're in the darkness of the night because someone has betrayed you. You need to know that the night is only temporary. And God calls you to serve anyway. He says you serve those that betray you. Now, can you imagine the kind of love that extends forgiveness to someone who has betrayed you? Just earlier, Jesus washed the feet of the very person whom he knew would betray him, yet he did it anyway. Jesus knew that Judas would betray him, yet he still showed love to him. He still served him because true love is not always about warm, fuzzy feelings. You see, we tend to, to connect love with our feelings and our emotions and God is saying that true love serves even when you don't want to. True love serves even those who will betray you. And this is the reason why. Because by loving those who betray us, they may be led to repentance. And that is exactly what Jesus has done for you. It's exactly what he's done for me. The Bible says that we have all betrayed him by our sin. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we have betrayed God, yet he served us by loving us so much that even while we were in our sin, Christ died for us. He gave his life for us so that we might repent. If you look at Romans chapter 12, verses 20 through 21, scripture says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. What does that mean? It means serve them. Your enemy you feed them, you give them something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is telling us to serve and to love our enemies so that burning coals will be heaped on their heads. Now, I need to explain that. Okay, to us in our culture, that sounds like getting revenge. That sounds like I'm going to love them. I'm going to serve them so that they get what's coming to them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them love and kindness so that revenge happens. But the Bible says that vengeance is the Lord's. It's not ours to dish out. So we have to understand, once again, the context of this passage and what that statement would mean. In that culture, this is a statement that would have painted a picture of repentance, it paints a picture of you love them, you serve them so that they become so convicted. It's like burning coals on their head to the point that they repent of what they have done. That's the picture here. We are to love others so that they see the love of Christ and the love of God for them and they might repent and come to know God. Romans 2, 4 says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God has shown us kindness. He has shown us his grace and mercy so that we would repent. And when we show kindness to others the way that God has shown kindness to us, lives and eternities can be changed forever. You see, true love serves because good is more powerful than evil and the kind of love that turned the world completely upside down was a group of followers who started washing each other's feet. These disciples, they began to wash each other's feet. They began to serve each other. And the early church did not look like today's typical American church. I'm not down on the church, but, but the early church did not look like our typical American church. They did not go to church thinking, what can the church do for me? They went to church thinking, how can I serve others? How can I love each other? How can I help you? How can I serve you? How can I help you know more about God and follow God? You see, what we have today is a consumer mentality. 
But what the disciples started doing and what we're called to do ourselves is to ask the question, God, how do you want to use me? God, how can I serve my neighbor? Who do I know that's lonely that I can help? Who do I know that's hurting that I can serve in some way? How can I serve the church and how can I serve the people around me every single day? You see, we as the church, we make a lasting impact on this community that we live in when we love those who even would betray us because we serve them. And we go to the least of these and the hurting and we say, how can we help you? How can we serve you? How can we love you? By looking for ways to serve, not to judge. By looking for ways to serve, not to condemn. By looking for ways to serve, not to control. You see, often we get mixed up and we think love means that I'm going to judge that sin that person has. Love means that I'm going to condemn what they are doing. Love means that I'm, I'm going to try to control the situation. But God says love is that you don't judge, you don't condemn, you don't control, you serve. And our impact in the community, our impact in the community will come from being truthful and holding true to Scripture while at the same time loving and serving others in a way that they shake their heads because they think, I thought you would judge me. And we say it's not for us to judge. It's for us to serve and it's for us to love you and to show you the love of God and what He has for you. That's what the church is supposed to look like. And that's what we desire for Forward Church to look like, that we'll be a church that serves because love serves. Love serves real people with real personalities, with real issues. So we will be a church that serves our community and that serves each other. And we will serve and pray that the love that we show leads others to repentance. But we have to understand, sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes we show love to others, we show the love of God to others, yet they still turn away. Because if you notice, Judas did not repent. Judas allowed Satan to enter into him, and he walked away. Yet Jesus still showed him love. So the model for us is love serves. Love serves even those who will betray us. And love also serves those in the body of Christ. Verses 31 through 32 says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. A lot of glorifying there. To be glorified means something is revealed. To be glorified means something is enhanced. To be glorified means there's more of a weightiness. So the love of God is going to be made known because God the Son will die for you and He will die for me and He will rise from the dead. And that is a response to suffering. Now, He wants to prepare His disciples because He realizes that they're going to be scared to death once He dies and that they're going to fail. He knows that they're going to um, desert Him whenever He's arrested and whenever He's being beaten. So He has shown love to them even though He knows that they're going to run from Him. And yet his response is to continue to serve and to prepare them. And in verse 33, he says, Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. Jesus uses a very interesting word to describe these grown men that have been following him. He says, little children. You see, he's being like a father to them. And he's trying to encourage them. And he's saying, I'm going to leave, and you can't come right now. I'm not going to be with you, but let me give you some advice. And he gives them a new commandment to sustain them. And in verse 34, he says, and a new commandment I give to you, 
that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So we've got a brand new commandment. This, this word means fresh commandment. It's a fresh word from Jesus. Now, the old commandment was this, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the Old Testament rule, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that commandment still has some, some self in it, right? Still has some flesh in it. It's like, I'm gonna love others like I love myself. I love myself, so I'm gonna love you. So there was a little bit of us still in that. And Jesus, what he does is he always ramps things up a bit, right? He says, here's the standard, and that's the high jump standard, but I'm gonna set the pole vault standard. I'm gonna go way over that. And then he goes way above and beyond. So he says, I'm giving you a fresh word. I'm giving you something new that you need to do. You don't just love others like you love yourself. I want you to love others the way I loved you. And that changes things. Because when we know our brokenness, when we know our filth, we know our sin, we know what we have done, yet Jesus still loved us. Jesus still loves us so much that he died for us. That's how you and I are to love others. So we can no longer look at someone and say, well, I know what they've done. Well, I know what they did to me. They betrayed me. They hurt me. They stomped all over my heart because I tried to help them. So I'm not going to love them anymore. No. Jesus says, you love them the way that I have loved you. And that changes things. If you're a disciple sitting in that room, they know how he loved them that night. And then a short while later, they understand how he loved them on the cross. He took the lowliest position and he washed their feet. Even the feet of the one he said would betray him. And a few hours later, they're going to realize that a betrayal will happen. Jesus will be arrested. He'll be falsely accused. He'll be beaten and he'll be crucified. And the reason that you and I are meeting here today as a church is because there was a very small group of struggling people who began to live out what Jesus told them to do. They began to love one another. They began to wash one another's feet. They began to be servants to one another. They began to be servants to people who hated them in profound ways. They took a lot of persecution, yet they continued to love, hoping that their kindness would lead to repentance. And the church of Jesus Christ continued to grow from that small group of disciples to what we know worldwide today. Do you know why? Because love never fails. And when we truly love, when we truly serve others, when we pour out of ourselves, when we see others as higher than ourselves instead of us as being the main one, us as being the greatest, when we truly serve, love wins. And when we get caught up, though, in our own wants, in our own desires, our own pleasures, our own ambitions for the church even, when we do that, we mess things up. You know, it's estimated that at least 40% of people who call themselves Christians today do not go to church anymore because they had a bad church experience. Either they tried to serve and they got burned, or they got burned out because all they did was serve and give and give and give and no one else gave back, or they poured themselves out and they got betrayed in some way, or the leadership was more focused on agenda and politics than on loving and on serving. So you see, it's so important for us to remain focused on this truth about love, that love serves those in the body of Christ. Love serves each other. You see, if we understand that, then we know that love doesn't come to a service. You see, we get in the mindset of we're going to go to a church service and be served. But love passionately serves those at the service. You see, if all we do is attend a service, then we're simply looking to get served. And we've become this consumer mentality. 
Now, there's certainly a season when you are searching out for a church or you're visiting a church where you simply attend. That is, that is healthy, that is right, that's what we should do until we figure out this is our church family. But once you get to a certain point, there comes a time when you have to decide, I've been served long enough, now I'm going to serve. I'm gonna be a part of the body of Christ. I'm gonna be a part of helping love grow in this community. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In other words, the New Testament um, expectation for the church is this, that we would meet together regularly, that we will encourage one another regularly, that we will serve one another regularly, and that we will stir each other up in ways to show love and to serve each other. So there's three questions that I have for each of us today as we close out. Number one, are we going to be people who love each other? And if we are, will we choose to serve? Are we, number two, are we going to be people who love those who would even betray us? Are we willing to let our guard down and serve others and love them even though they might betray us? And are we going to be a church that is known for how we serve one another in the church and in this community? Are we people that are willing to wash others' feet are we willing to do that? You see, you and I, we live in a consumer-oriented culture. It is very difficult for us to not have that mindset. I mean, we can purchase or find access to just about anything we want at the tap of a finger on a screen. It's almost impossible to visit a church, to attend a church, and not be evaluating what that church has to offer us. It's almost impossible for us to think what the church doesn't have to offer us. It's almost impossible for us to sit in church and not think of, well, this is how I would improve things, or this is what I would have liked better for me. It's almost impossible for us to go to a church and not compare it to a church down the street. It's almost impossible for us to come to church and not compare with a church around the country because we can watch and listen online. We have access to the greatest of preachers anytime we want to hear them. So the temptation is to simply consume church, to say, well, I just need to consume a little Bible this week and get my fix. That's the temptation for us in our culture. And when we simply consume church, we miss out on what God intended the church for. And that is for the church to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. How do we do that? By serving and by loving others and showing kindness of God that leads to repentance. And we are to encourage one another. And we do that when we come together saying, how can I serve? You see, he says, you serve each other just as I've served you because love serves. Let's pray. Father, your word is so rich. There's so much in it. And God, as we listen to this today, as we study your Bible, it's easy for us to, to get caught up in that mentality of, God, what do you have for me? God, what's in this for me? Father, I pray for each of us in this room today that we would leave here changed by what you have taught us from your word that we would be different from the way we came in because we would walk out of here saying, you know, I got something out of that and what I got out of that, what was for me today was the word that I need to pour out of myself and that I need to serve others more and that I want to show love to those who would even betray me. But God, I know there's some in this room today who maybe they haven't received salvation through faith in Jesus. Maybe they haven't recognized that you gave the greatest act of love ever by serving us, by giving up your life for us. 
Father, we're thankful that you would love us so much that even in our sin and brokenness, you would still die for us. Even though we betrayed you by our sin, you still love us and serve us and give your life for us. God, we're grateful for that. Father, if there's anyone in this room that needs to just take a knee and bow and pray and say, God, thank you. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me my sin. We open the altar and we ask that they would just come forward and just pray and, and, and receive Jesus into their life. Father, others of us maybe just need to worship you and say, thank you, God, that you love us so much you would serve us like you do. Father, others of us in this room need empowerment by your Holy Spirit to love like you loved us. Father, may we leave here today convicted to love others the way that you loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Forward Charge Weekly Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as Lead Pastor Neil Krauss continues in the series, Love. For more information about forward, giving, or to request prayer, visit www.forwardchurchfamily.com.